are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day today, we'll be chatting with John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. The Boston Celtics are bringing in Washington Wizards, Kristaps Porzingis, and trading out their own Marcus Smart. Why was this a deal that the Celtics felt they needed to make? Then we'll be joined by Cyrus Satsas from Locked On Warriors to discuss the Golden State Warriors trading Jordan Poole for Chris Paul, how CP3 fits on the Warriors, and what ultimately happens with Draymond Green's pending free agency. And lastly, we've got Leaf Tulin from Locked On NBA Big Board to help us break down the winners and losers from this year's 2023 NBA Draft. Biggest draft night surprises and more. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA part of your day. Your first listen every single day, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Celtics, John Corrales. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Celtics. And John, Kristaps Porzingis headed to Boston. Marcus Smart on the way out. We're going to unpack kind of what this trade means for the Celtics moving forward. But first things first, why was this a trade that the Celtics felt like they had to do the three team deal where ultimately the Celtics walk away with Christoph's Porzingis. The Grizzlies are the team getting Marcus smart and the wizards walking away with Tyus Jones, Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. So Brad Stevens said they needed to rebalance the roster too many guards, not enough bigs. So it was always going to be one of Derek white, Malcolm Brogdon or Marcus smart. We've spent, a month saying it's going to be one of Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, or Marcus Smart. And Malcolm Brogdon was always the guy that kind of like rose to the the top of the discussion. And I I knew that Smart was going to be potentially part of the deal. But when you hear the framework of the original trade and it falls apart, but then they're they're working on something else, it just came as such a shock that smart was part of the deal when no rumors are leading up to it. You can't prepare yourself for it. That's where you say, Whoa, this is surprising. It shouldn't have been maybe as surprising as a lot of people kind of made it out to be because they, they've been talking about rebalancing from the beginning. And now I, I want to talk about what Porzingis brings to this Celtics team. But first, with Marcus Smart, right? How difficult is it to lose a guy like Marcus Smart, who at times has looked at as almost like the the heart and soul of this Celtics team for a while now? Yeah, it's it's going to be hard to measure, right? Because the, the the counting stats you look at and you say, why are you upset about that? Obviously, we know that he was a Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he, he has the ability to, to make some incredible plays. It's an intangible thing with him. He always seems to find a way to, to make the right play, to get that diving save, to, to get a big offensive rebound or make a big block shot. And it's the timing of the plays that he makes. Um, it's that level of intensity, but also that IQ that he brings, knowing how to get the guys organized, calling out opponents plays kind of quarterbacking the offense from the top of the defense where usually they're quarterbacking the bigs are quarterbacking the the, the defense I should say um that that's where you miss Marcus Smart he's the team's best passer um he's the toughest player on a team that's generally been a little soft so uh it's going to be tough even though on paper I look at the what they got in return 
you can say on paper they got great value for it. They they, they really that's a trade that you you would have to make. Even I, as a smart guy, a Marcus smart guy, I'm not very smart, but as a Marcus smart guy, uh, I would say I have to make that trade. But it, it's going to be tough. Theoretically, there's a lot that works, but in practical application, we're going to have to see it. Yeah, it's it's going to take so again talking about rebalancing the roster right and there's that's going to be a, a big void even if the even if the counting stats are there right even if Porzingis brings a lot of production right who fills those shoes that Marcus Smart has occupied for so long now when you do look at a guy like Porzingis right insanely talented right kind of adds to an area of need for this Celtics team giving them another another very versatile big to kind of play around with and figure out how they can mix and match certain lineups what specifically does Porzingis bring to the Celtics team that they were missing so much that they felt the need to have to move on from Marcus Smart. Well, he brings he, he brings a unique kind of skill set for a 7-3 guy, right? That that's that's been what he brings to everybody. They they're counting on him being able to do some of the things uh like catch the ball in the post. When when the Celtics have gotten into their their worst trouble, a lot of it has been end of shot clock trying to figure out what to do with the offense and the two wings being unable to break down defenses. And so that's a great tool to have six seconds left on a shot clock. You just dump it into a guy who's as tall as he is that can just shoot a comfortable turnaround jump shot over somebody in the post. So just kind of gives them another dimension. It's exactly a dimension that they haven't had. You don't get that from Robert Williams. You don't get that from Al Horford. Plus you, but you still get the spot up from like that you would get from Horford. You get some of the rim protection that you would get from Robert Williams. It's just all, all kind of like rolled into a big that they just haven't had before. What do you imagine, at least right now, with the players on the roster, the projected starting five to be? I know we still have free agency to navigate through, and, and you know the Celtics may be making some moves in that side of the the offseason. But just right now, with the players available, who do you think the starting five is? That's that's going to be the question because a lot of it depends on Grant Williams and what do they do with Malcolm Brogdon and, and, and all of that. But I expect Derek White, Tatum and Brown, and Porzingis to be there. The question is, who's the fifth starter? Is it Robert Williams? And you go double big. Uh, that would be an interesting kind of alignment. Not without its flaws for sure, but defensively, that would be an incredible lineup because you've got two uh, elite rim defenders there. Uh, it could be Al Horford. It, it and they could go a different way if they keep Grant Williams. Grant could be the guy. So I, I don't know. I don't know who that fourth starter is going to be. That that's going to be a question. I think Brad Stevens is going to have to answer moving forward this summer. You just mentioned it there a second ago. Free agency, Grant Williams, one of the biggest question marks for the Celtics moving forward. What ultimately do they do? Is there a number that you have in mind that you think they'd feel comfortable matching with him? as he approaches restricted free agency or is there a, is like, what is too much to pay to retain Grant Williams services? Man, with the new collective bargaining agreement and with the, this Porzingis trade, I don't know anymore. Like that's the, that's the big problem with this summer. It's impossible to predict because where are the Celtics willing to go? I can see them. I think a natural just kind of number for Grant Williams is somewhere in that $15 million range. In in some combination of years at 15 million average annual value is is good for Grant Williams. It gets you uh, 
a guy that can obviously hit three pointers at, at a high level. He's adding to his game. You know, he's coming off his rookie contract, so he still has a lot of room to grow. He's tough. He can rebound. He can defend. He can switch. So he can do a lot of things. It's just that he he's inconsistent. Now, do the Celtics want to keep him? Do the Celtics want to overpay a little bit because the new CBA and their trade rules? And and I think we're going to start seeing role players start to get overpaid a little bit by their own teams because they're going to want to be able to trade them away at that second apron and and not have to worry about the salary matching. Uh, so so that's a possibility. Or this just could be a cost savings for the Celtics. And no matter what the number is, they may just decide either to not match or try to pull off a sign and trade now while they can do that and not face the ramifications of being hard capped. Uh, so any number of those, those options are possible with Grant Williams. Uh, I honestly, I wish I knew which way they would go, but any one of those seem just as likely as the other for Boston. How will Kristaps Porzingis look wearing a Celtics jersey? What will the Celtics ultimately do in free agency? What moves will they make or not make? Will they keep Grant Williams? Of course, the others covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Celtics. John, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. My pleasure. Anytime, man. Coming up, the Golden State Warriors trading Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. How does CP3 fit on this Warriors team and what ultimately happens with Draymond Green's free agency? We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After after all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on NBA Monday, be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week moving forward as we have you covered for all of the pending free agency rumors right here at Locked on NBA. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Warriors, Cyrus Sotsa. So you can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Warriors. And Cyrus, man, what a trade. We haven't even hit the, the fireworks of the NBA offseason yet. But Chris Paul, of all people, is headed to the Golden State Warriors. Jordan Poole on his way out. I don't think I would have ever had this on my bingo card, Cyrus. Chris <laughs> Paul in a Golden State Warriors jersey. It almost feels like we're in the upside down in like Stranger Things, if you will. And it's like we're in this weird other world scenario. What's Agreed. your just reaction to Chris Paul to, to Chris Paul donning a Warriors jersey, which is going to happen in, in the not so distant future? Yeah, I mean, it's been a few days now, so it's it's absorbed. We're, I think I think people are starting to get used to it more. But when it first happened, yeah, like everyone else, it was it was shock, surprise. I mean, uh, befuddlement. I You know, it's it's um it. It's it's a weird trade because uh, by itself, if the Warriors don't do anything else, it, it doesn't make much sense. This team is they got smaller because of it. They got older because of it. 
Um, you know, they're not world championship contenders, in my humble opinion, with this roster the way it's currently constructed. Now, if this is like part of a bigger plan, uh, I'm curious to see what the final plan is, you know, but this team still needs size. And until they address that issue, um, this is just kind of like a band-aid. But look, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Steve, I don't know if it's Steve Kerr. I don't know if it's someone in the front office, Joe Lacob, but someone there for the last few years has been really wanting a veteran backup point guard, like a traditional, like like a, a pass first, you know, floor general type point guard. They pursued Gordon Drogic, Drogic a couple of years ago. They pursued Patty Mills a couple of years ago. Uh, they tried to, and to to trade or acquire Patrick Beverly this last season. Um, and they finally got their their veteran backup point guard. They finally got him. Uh, again, I don't know why, you know, Kerr has wanted this so bad, but he's got it. And now we'll see, you know, if it's worth it. So uh, it is crazy, though. It is, it, it's insane. The, the fit is a little curious when you think about it, because this has got to be a situation, right? There's, there's no way they're bringing in Chris Paul to start, right? Like he's coming in. He's going to come off the bench. But I, or maybe I mean, you're, look, you're the Warriors guy, I, but I don't imagine a world where Chris Paul is starting and you start what him and Steph in the backcourt together. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You're right. I mean, what would make sense is him coming off the bench and, and leading the second unit. Mm -hmm. uh, if the team keeps Kaminga and Moody, I, he would be fantastic in terms of leading, uh, you know, those younger players um, and hopefully helping develop them in the process in year three. Um, but the one of the many bizarre things about this trade is that on it makes sense to bring him off the bench, but in his long career, he's never once come off the bench. Like, like as a rookie, as in at regardless of what phase of his career, he has always been a starter. I mean, that's a that's a crazy uh fact I just learned recently uh following the trade. So, you know, is he gonna be okay with that? Is he gonna adapt to that naturally? I mean, he, I, I don't know. Um, this, you know, we but, could just yeah. be at the point, the chapter in CP3's career, right? Where like, it's time for him to kind of face the reality of his situation. And at this point in his career, right? Injuries have been a big problem for him. If you can keep yep. him kind of in some bubble wrap and have him be your super sub six man off the bench. And, and while I do think the idea of him starting like next to like Steph and Clay is weird. I do think there's a world where you're not going to just, it's not going to be one or the other on the floor between Steph and CP3. Like there's going to be some times where those guys are sharing the floor together, right? Big time, yeah, and and I think that's where I, they envisioned Chris Paul really thriving is setting up players like Steph, setting up players like Clay uh, for optimal you know positions on the on the court to to put up threes or whatever scoring opportunity they have. I'm um, look there there are some positives to Chris Paul coming to the team besides the fact that he's a Hall of Fame or future Hall of Famer. Um, he for starters, the only option the Warriors have outside of maybe trading Kaminga and that's still a possibility. Like, like my strong feeling is they're not done uh, with moves. Um, but the only way they're going to upgrade this roster is either by trades um, or by veteran minimum deals. They, they no longer apparently have the mid-level exception. Although I'm, I'm as confused, I think as everyone else about this new CBA in terms of what, what is being implemented this year, what is they're holding off on? Supposedly the mid-level exception is no longer an option, but yet they could still spend money to buy second round picks, which they did this this last draft. So I have no idea which what rules are in and what aren't yet. But apparently they can't spend the mid level. So you're you're going to need Chris Paul to help you recruit uh, veteran free agents. If the team is all in to for a fifth world title in ten years, that's a goal. Um, you're going to need some some decent players who are going to take a pay cut, um, who are going to take a price reduction to join this team, and maybe Chris Paul 
helps you there. Um, and, and the other thing is looking a little longer term. Uh, Chris Paula has a team option for $30 million next season. Uh, and so what the Warriors could do after this year is uh, exercise that team option for 30 mil and then trade Chris Paul for another longer term asset after the season. So there are some benefits to him coming, obviously, but um, yeah, it's weird. This whole thing's weird. How does, and uh, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's the perfect way to say it. it's, it's weird, right? It's just, it's just it is, weird. Yeah. It's going to be weird mm-hmm. seeing him in a Jersey for the first time. It's going to be weird seeing him. It, it's, it's the whole situation is just weird, but yeah. how Cyrus, how much does this play into the pending free agency for Draymond green is the other part that I think is so important to kind of consider here because yes. Draymond has been the table setter for this war for this iteration of this Warriors team for the better part of the last decade and now you've got a different kind of table setter in Chris Paul who might be able to mitigate some of that loss if the Warriors were inclined to let Draymond walk if they if they're not hell-bent on bringing him back oh yeah I'm almost positive Draymond's going to come back um, you're right. This was in a lot of ways, I feel like an olive branch that the team presented to Draymond as sort of an enticement to have him come back to the team. Um, uh, because there are teams out there like the Sacramento Kings who have the cap space, who have the interest. There's a lot of interest for Draymond Green. He does have options, but all indications are he will stay with the Warriors. Um, I I, I read a report that it's going to be likely for a three-year deal so that him and Steph finish their careers or at least finish their next contracts. Uh, together they both expire three years from now so you're right though that the move was in a lot of ways done as well uh to to uh, uh placate Draymond Green um because that was not working it is weird that Draymond's the one who committed the punch yet he's the one who's getting his way uh when all said and done I mean it, it is kind of like messed up in, in a in a, li- a little bit that Jordan Poole was basically sent to the purgatory known as the Washington Wizards, Um, you know, but, you know, like, but yeah, nonetheless, I mean, yeah, Jordan Poole got shipped off and look, and that is another positive for this Chris Paul trade that the Warriors did get better by swapping Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. Like that's, that is an upgrade. That's actually a considerable upgrade. Like you're, you're, you're increasing your basketball IQ. You're increasing your ball handling. You're increasing your, your defense. You're increasing your mid-range shooting, which Chris Paul is exceptional at. Um, so they 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 are better. Um, but he has to stay healthy. Uh, Rick Celebrini, uh, who heads the medical staff of the Warriors, has his hands full. Two years ago, he had a project in Otto Porter Jr. and keeping him healthy. Um, and so there's and he and he succeeded. Uh, it was a very strict regiment where OPJ was not allowed to play past a certain amount of minutes. He wasn't allowed to play back to backs and. and the minute restriction was even kept through the postseason. So there's a very strong possibility Chris Paul will go through a similar regimen like that, um, given his health history, given the fact that his body oftentimes breaks down when the postseason starts, like at the worst time possible. So Rick Celebrini will have his hands full, but he succeeded. And he's 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 widely revered as a, as a as leading a medical staff for an NBA team. And Chris Paul is his next project. Keep him healthy for the postseason um, because that is going to be potentially a huge difference between the Warriors being title contenders and then being also Rams. How will CP3 ultimately fit in with the Warriors? What happens with Draymond Green? Will Golden State ultimately bring him back? You'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Warriors. Cyrus, yes, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with oh, me. Anytime, man. Thanks, Jackson. Great to see you. Coming up, who are the winners and losers of this year's NBA draft? What was the biggest draft night surprise? All of that and more coming up here in just one moment. 
And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day. Free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Joining us now is one of the hosts of the Locked On NBA, a big board podcast, Leaf Tulane. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked On NBA, a big board. And Leaf, we had the NBA draft, 2023 NBA draft take place. And it's the night where dreams are made. These kids, these young men who have been working their whole lives to make it to the NBA, they get drafted. And we're going to talk about the the winners and the losers of this most recent NBA draft. Let's start, though, first with the biggest draft night surprise, which I think I know what it is, but I want to know what was the biggest draft night surprise in your eyes this time around. Just how far Cam Whitmore fell. I mean, uh, I could be creative about it, but for someone that had Cam Whitmore as high as four, I ended with him at number five in my big board. Uh, it, It seemed... Like, okay, maybe the rumors say he falls to nine, maybe he falls to 11, but to 20. And just how dramatic that fall was as, as the broadcast kept going on, you could see the the panning to him in the green room and, and you just kind of think, okay, something's clearly more wrong than even the rumors of people who caught wind of what's wrong knew. And it makes you just unbelievably curious. But I think, I think that has to take the cake as the biggest surprise because this guy was billed as a top five talent. And as you're keenly aware, the Rockets were cons- like considering him at four, and then they got him at 20. Yeah, the Rockets were definitely really impressed with him. And, and the Rockets, a- actually, when it comes to their, you know, their medical st- medical staff and everything, they tend to be one of the more conservative teams in, in the NBA. So for them to still want to move forward with him at 20, even after all these other teams passed on him, what I'm starting to kind of understand about that situation is that it was maybe more so less so about the physicals and the concerns there although that might still be a you know a concern to to be you know to to pay attention to is that it was more so about just how he interviewed right his personality some of that stuff and the interview process, we saw the same thing happen last year with Tari Eason, and one of the reasons that he fell all the way to 17, and Houston scooped him up, and then he had a fantastic rookie season. Do you think this is one of those situations, Leaf, where maybe teams just kind of overthought things as far as, like, the interview process, or maybe he didn't blow them away, you know, with that that element of the pre-draft process, and teams kind of overthought things? I, I think that certainly had to play a factor. I think a large portion was uh, concerns about his high school knee injuries and what it meant for his health down the road. And then I heard a rumor. I don't know exactly how true this is that his coach at Villanova, Kyle Neptune, who is a rookie head coach at Nova um, and him had some difficulties with one another. And so I I figure that all factors in it. And as for Tari Eason, he was someone that, that I had higher on my big board as well last year and I was surprised he fell to as far as he did. But this is nothing compared to the fall that seemed almost astronomical that Whitmore had on Thursday night. All right. Well, then let's get to the just we'll start with the biggest winners of of draft. It's pretty easy to point to the San Antonio Spurs. They kind of became the biggest winners the moment they won the NBA draft lottery. But how do you kind of pick apart who walks away from this draft feeling the best with the outcome of how the night went? I would say the whole state of Texas did a great job. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the Spurs, Wen Benyama, and I think CD Sissoko is a first-round talent they got in the second round as well. And obviously, Wen Benyama generates the headlines, and deservedly so. As for the Rockets, they got a, two players that I had four and five on my big board at number four and at number 20. So that's a, that's a win. And then the Mavericks, you know, they came away with the players 
that you would anticipate that they would get and and Derek Lively like that that made sense what was going to happen if they take him at 10 they trade down get him at 12 they they get Bert off of Bertans's contract which was a terrible one and then you get Olivier Maxon's Prosper and Rashawn Holmes um and and swallow a little bit of a contract in Holmes and so I, I think that was both from a perspective of personnel and just being savvy with the cap, that was a big, big win. And then, I mean, like we said, the Spurs, the Spurs is easy. Like you just got Victor Wenbanyama. So Texas becomes the winner for me. Okay, so all, all three Texas teams walk away with their heads held incredibly high. I know we talked about Cam Whitmore there a moment ago. Is there any prospects that went a lot higher than you anticipated them to go in this year's draft? I wouldn't say anyone that went super high in the draft itself stood out to me. I think Jaime Hawkes, who in 18, if you'd told me he was going 18 a week before it happened, I would have been pretty shocked, but I heard pretty strong rumors um, about the day or two before that the Heat wanted him at 18. So uh, my actual shock was low when it happened, but like if you'd talked to me throughout the process, that one would have stunned me. Okay, and when we flip the script here and we take a look at some of the teams that maybe walk away a little bit more disappointed, right? Some of the losers of the draft. I I always struggle trying to maybe identify losers of the draft because it feels like teams generally kind of walk away with the guys that they have, you know, best available on their board. But who would you think, you know, is maybe a little bit upset? Maybe a guy went just before they were on the board, that kind of thing. I think a one draft, and I don't know exactly how their boards looked out, but one that puzzled me would be what the Magic did. They went for two fits, um, but I feel like they came away without the ceiling that they may have wanted in in drafting 6 and 11. Uh, They do have their transcendent franchise-altering star, which is what I try to look for when I'm drafting high, and they have it in Bancaro, and they have a Robin in Franz Wagner. They're well off. And they, they're redundant everywhere else. So Anthony Black, you could point to like, hey, they already have Suggs, who is a similar ilk of player, and he didn't work out. So maybe this is, you know, you, you can make some excuses. So Anthony Black was the favorite at six. So I, I have no true qualms with that. I had number eight on my board. But then Jet Howard at 11, reaching for a shooter who defensively is, is limited. Uh, that one puzzled me just a little bit because Jet Howard's had some ankle issues. Defensively was very poor. And shooting, he's really good but I thought there was better value to be had at 11. And that's just may just have to be something with my draft philosophy, where I look for upside uh, more so than fit, especially in that range. And we saw, you know, all the debate leading up to the draft was what are the Hornets going to do? Ultimately, that's where the draft starts at pick number two with Victor Wimidiamba being the consensus. Number one guy, so much debate between, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, back and forth, back and forth. And it seemed like the Hornets were really ultimately torn on it. Throughout the process, though, it kind of felt like Brandon Miller was going to be the guy. Are you at all surprised that they went Brandon Miller? Did you think how heavily do you think the the Hornets were actually considering going Scoot Henderson there at number two? And how do you like the fit of Brandon Miller in Charlotte? I personally would have taken Scoot Henderson just because I think he's the more unbelievable talent. But I think all indications throughout the draft process, up until like the day of and the day before, where the betting lines shifted. Um, said that it was going to be Brandon Miller. And I think they stu- the, the Hornets stuck to their guns. And I think from a fit perspective, it makes more sense to put a small forward, someone that can play two through four in Brandon Miller and be a scorer next to LaMelo Ball makes more sense than putting someone who's a point guard with a point guard in LaMelo Ball. Um, and then the rest of their draft, I think they got a lot of talent. Like Nick Smith entering this uh, this draft cycle was supposed to be the top 
college basketball player. I personally have never been horribly high on Nick Smith, but to get him at 27, you know, talent-wise is a win. Amari Bailey was a five-star recruit at UCLA, another guy that I've never personally thought was as highly uh, – I've never thought of as highly of as, as maybe the consensus has. But to get him where they got him is very impressive. And then James Najee is a freak of nature that they got at 31. So I would say the Hornets should be happy with the talent they accumulated in the draft, but let's see how it pans out. And it'll always be regarded as a miss should Scoot Henderson be better than Brandon Miller, which is what I perceive him to be. And so maybe it'll be unfair, but you know what? Maybe if you hit it off perfectly and they're still an all-time great, like Akeem Elijah one, you don't, you don't think of it as a miss when Michael Jordan went three. The NBA announced the Summer League schedules. We've got Spurs, Hornets, and then Blazers, Rockets are two of the first marquee games tipping off Summer League this summer. Which of those two games are you most looking forward to seeing? Wimby versus Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson versus Amin Thompson? It's a good question. I would have loved to see Wemby versus Scoot, but the appeal for Wemby versus Brandon Miller is a little less for me. So I'll go with the I'll go with Scoot and, and Amon Thompson just because I think positionally they'll they'll match up against each other more and that's more intriguing to me than watching one where it's just the one and two pick. But I'll be watching both. I mean, I, I mean that's the stuff I do. I love the draft. I love watching these type of things. And then the the Utah Summer League, which is where I I live, uh, is happening before that. And so I don't know if Wembenyama is going to play, but I hope he does. And then there's some high picks in that regard. Like the Jazz have three first round picks. The Thunder come to town have. Hayson Wallace coming through, and then the the Grizzlies are the other team, and they've got talent like Gigi Jackson went 45th, which I thought was super low, but I think he's a first-round talent. So there is is talent coming through there. So I'm excited to see all these players, but I would would answer with scooting scooting them in if I was forced to choose. How will these drafted talents ultimately pan out at the NBA level? You're going to have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On NBA Big Board. Leaf, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Awesome. Anytime. And that's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. <laughs>